Everyone's looking at me. All right, we're going to be back in the book of Jude. We're going to look at one verse tonight. Uh, I've been uh, working on memorizing the book. It, uh, it takes a while to memorize things, and especially if you, early on when I was working on it, I wasn't as diligent, so it takes even longer when you're trying to memorize verses uh, to get them. But uh, uh, there's one verse that I've been working on uh, kind of last week and into this week uh, that's really tripped me up. And what happens is when you hit, at least for me, when I hit a verse that's hard to memorize, uh, you know, sometimes it's because you get words mixed up or sometimes it's, you know, uh, just the wording is a little tricky to say or to remember. Uh, one of the things that's helped me is to meditate on that verse, to look at the verse, to dig into it, and study it, uh, because sometimes the more I learn about it, the easier it becomes. Something sticks in your mind and you kind of, uh, you know, you kind of figure it out. So uh, Psalm 100 is one, an example I always think of that's an easy example uh, that's enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. And I kept mixing that up. And I, I was really struggling trying to get them correct and saying them right and not backwards. Uh, but really I stopped and when I was meditating on it, you know, the Lord kind of showed me uh, you know, when you think about Psalm 100, a psalm of worship, enter into his gates with thanksgiving, you know, and into his courts with praise. You think about walking into the temple, you go through the gate first, and you think about worship, you know, basically that verse is talking about if you want to enter into real worship and praise with God, you start with thanksgiving. That's the door that opens it up. And I thought, my goodness, that's kind of like, uh, um, that's very similar to um Prayer as well, you know, thanksgiving and prayer a lot of times go together as well, uh, kind of opening that door. Uh, but that was one of the examples that I, I don't mix it up anymore because in my mind, I after stopping and thinking about it, I just imagine myself walking into a gate of thanksgiving, uh, you know, and it's helped me to keep them. So Jude uh, chapter 1 verse 9 is the one that I have been struggling with uh, to get the wording right. Now, I think the wording is a little tricky when you read it. Uh, especially the middle part, uh, and it says this, Yet Michael the archangel, uh, when contending with the devil, he disputed about the body of Moses, yeah. durst not bring against him a railing accusation, but said, The Lord rebuke thee. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word tonight. We thank you for its truth. Lord, you've been a good God and a merciful Savior. And Lord, I pray that you would open up your word tonight. Lord, that you would help us to dig into it. Lord, help us to, uh, to glean from it tonight, to learn from it. And Lord, to draw closer to you. Lord, you're a good God and a merciful Savior. And we're thankful for all things. We're thankful for your love. And we're thankful that you're with us tonight. Lord, help us, the Spirit, help us teach, Lord, tonight. Help us to learn of you, to draw closer to you, and to do your will. And in Jesus' name we pray, and amen. Amen. So, uh, well, I'll, I'll try to do Jude as much as I can tonight. We'll see. Uh, but it's Jude, Jude, a servant of Jesus Christ and brother of James, to them that are sanctified by God the Father and preserved in Jesus Christ and called. Mercy unto you and peace and love be multiplied. Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you and to exhort you that you should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. For there are certain men crept in unawares who were before of old, ordained to this condemnation, ungodly men, turning the grace of our God into lasciviousness and denying the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. 
I will therefore put you in remembrance, though you once knew this, how that the Lord, having saved the people out of the land of Egypt, afterward destroyed them that believed not. And the angels, which left not their first estate, uh, but left that kept not their first estate, but left their own habitation, he hath reserved in everlasting chains, under darkness, under the judgment of the great day, even as Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities about them in like manner, giving themselves over to fornication and going after strange flesh, yeah. are set forth for an example, suffering the vengeance of eternal fire. Likewise also these filthy dreamers defile the flesh, despise dominion, and speak evil of dignities. Oh, this is where I'm getting this is where I'm getting fuzzy. Oh, it's right at our verse. Yet Michael the archangel, when contending with the devil, uh, he dis... Uh, yeah, I'm going to have to read it, because again, it's tricky. Yet Michael the archangel, when contending with the devil, he disputed about the body of Moses, durst not bring against him a railing accusation, but said, The Lord rebuke thee. But these things speak evil, but these speak evil of those things which they know not, uh, but what they know naturally as brute beasts, in those things they corrupt themselves. So I'm going to look at tonight, we're going to focus on verse 9, and then at the end we'll look at 8 and 10 as well to go with it. Uh, but verse 9, you uh, you may have it in your, um, you may have it, but I put it up here. We'll turn the slide off and this will help us. We've got, uh, got a couple of things um, couple of pictures as we go uh, but this verse is a lot it's tricky uh, and there's a lot to it and it's uh, it's one of those things that just you look at this verse and I, one of the things is when you start to break it down and you look at it I think it really gets interesting and I think we can learn some things from it uh, but Moses, one of the things it's talking about is the death of Moses. So we're going to talk about the death of Moses. We have to go back to Deuteronomy uh, chapter four, 34 that covers that. And uh, if you remember, Moses led the children of Israel out of Egypt, Harper sit down, uh, uh, led them out of Egypt. And uh, he led them and he was going to take them all the way to the promised land yeah. uh, until he sinned against God. You know, he, uh, the Lord told him to speak to the rock and he smote the rock. And we know the rock is a a picture of Jesus Christ, uh, and so it, 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 it he ruined basically that that was supposed to be a picture of salvation right there. We uh, we're not hanging Jesus on the cross a second time. Uh, if you if you want to go to the rock, you're going to speak to the rock. You're going to uh, call on His name for salvation. So uh, you know He the Lord said that He's not going to enter into the promised land. Uh, but chapter 34 uh, tells us that the Lord had Moses go up to Mount Nebo, and just before he died. The Lord showed Moses the promised land from the mountain, uh, and he, although he wasn't able to step forward or step forth on it, he was able to see it. He was able to look, and basically this mountain, you can see all across the land uh, that they would later inhabit. Um, uh, hopefully you can see that, but uh, that that's the... That's a picture of what he would have seen. He would have seen the whole land. He wouldn't have got to step forward, but he would have seen the whole thing. So Deuteronomy 34, verse 5. Uh, so Moses, the servant of the Lord, died there in the land of Moab, according to the word of the Lord. And he buried him in a, in a valley in the land of Moab, over against Beth Peor, but no man knoweth of his sepulchre right. unto this day. And Moses was 120 years old when he died. His eye was not dim, nor his natural force 
abated. So we see something right here. Number one, I like what it says, Moses, the servant of the Lord. You know, you think about that. Uh, you, many of you asked who was Moses. Some would say, well, he was a miracle worker. He helped them to cross the Red Sea. Uh, he was a leader. Uh, he was someone that was a spokesman for the nation of Israel. Uh, he, he did a judge. He did all these things. Uh, but aren't you glad the Bible says he was a servant of the Lord? And I'll tell you what, I can't lead a nation that's not what God's called me to do, but I can be a servant of the Lord and so can you. And I, uh, that, that should be our highest calling in life is just to be a faithful servant of the Lord. But Moses died at 120 years old there on Mount Nebo in the land of Moab. And his life is really split up into thirds. You've got the first 40 years, he's in Egypt. He's a prince. He's a, a, a child of the Pharaoh, uh, adopted. And then the next 40 years, uh, he escapes Egypt. Remember when he slays the Egyptian and they start, they find out and he flees. The next 40 years, he's a shepherd there in the wilderness. Uh, and then the last 40 is when he's actually leading the children of Israel. So you think about it. God got him ready for 80 years to serve him for 40. I mean, that all of that time was uh, uh, teaching him to where God would call him to be. Uh, so I know some people, they want to jump right into things. But, you know, sometimes the Lord needs to teach us for a while. And a lot of times it takes a whole lot of years. Really, the problem is because we're slow learners, if we're honest. So verse 7 tells us, And Moses was 120 years old when he died. His eye was not dim, nor his natural force abated. That tells us that he's still in his prime. He's still Amen. strong. His Amen. body's not sick. It hadn't wore out. Uh, but really what happened is the Lord said, here's the time when they're going to wander in the wilderness. And then after that time, they're going to take the promised land. Well, if he's not going in there, the Lord's bringing another uh, servant, another leader. Uh, we know that Joshua would be next. Uh, so the Lord said, it's done. Your life is done. Uh, and, and that's the thing. He's, uh, again, the Lord's in charge. He decides when our right. appointment with Amen. death is, uh, and it's according to his plan. But verse 6 is interesting in Deuteronomy 34. And he buried him in a valley in the land of Moab over against Beth Peor, but no man knoweth of his sepulcher unto this day. Moses died alone. The Lord was there, but no other person on Mount Nebo. And the Lord had his body buried. Okay, so not normal, right? It's not a normal thing. But knowing what Deuteronomy says, that he died alone and the Lord had his body buried. Now let's go back to Jude 1.9. What's it say? Yet Michael the archangel, when contending with the devil, he disputed about the body of Moses. You see what's happening here? So this... Uh, passage in Jude is telling us exactly, it's going right along with Deuteronomy 34. So that tells me there's an argument over the body of Moses, and, and we know based on the book of Jude, uh, remember what the context of the book is, that you should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. That's verse 3. So in the book of Jude, we know there's a spiritual battle. Right? There's a spiritual attack that's going on. And then you should ask yourself, why is there a spiritual battle over the body of Moses? Why is that a spiritual battleground? Because if it's in the book of Jude, it is. You know, the Bible doesn't give us an answer. You know, it doesn't give us an answer in a lot of things. Now, some things we can work out. We can use, uh, uh, we can use other scriptures and different things. But one thing I, I realized is one of the stories that's 
uh, that's always kind of stuck with me. Did you remember King Hezekiah? He came around and he was a good king. He was, uh, the, his, the, line, the king before him, the kings before him were not good, but he was a good king. And he removed all the high places, all the images, all the groves, everything that was used for idol worship. And 2 Kings 18.4 says, Hezekiah break in pieces the brazen serpent that Moses had made. For in those days, the children of Israel did burn incense to it and called it Nehushtan. So if you think about that, if you remember the story of the, the bronze serpent, that's all the way from Numbers 21, 800 years from when Moses, the Lord told Moses to erect this bronze serpent. And the reason was the children of Israel were murmuring and complaining, right? That's what they loved to do. The Lord sent fiery serpents, and when they bit them, they would die. And then, so uh, what happened is the Lord said, Hey, Moses, you erect this brand, uh, serpent of brass on a pole, and if they look on it after they've been bit, they'll live. And this, we've talked about this before, because it's also mentioned in John chapter 3 by Jesus. But basically, it was the faith. The, the serpent, the bronze serpent wasn't what healed them. It was trusting what the Lord told them to do. The Lord healed them, right? There was nothing in that serpent. He just said, hey, you look at that thing and you'll live. Well, it took faith. No difference than the scapegoat. Remember, we've talked about that. Putting your hands on the head of the goat and confessing your sin. And the Lord would, and God would transfer the sin from you to the goat and they'd pull the goat away. That took faith to believe that. It takes faith to believe that we can call on the name of Jesus Christ for salvation. It's all the same. But what happened? They kept that thing long after the fiery serpents were gone and they took it around with them for the rest of the wanderings and they carried it into the promised land. And what are they doing it around Hezekiah's time? They're burning incense to it. That means they're worshiping it, right? Now they would have said, well, we're worshiping the Lord, but that's always been an excuse. Whenever you put a statue and say, I'm worshiping the Lord, the golden calf was the same way. Right? Oh, well, we're worshiping Lord, but this is what brought us out of the land of Egypt. No, that thing didn't. You just made it. Right? But this is what happens. So here's Mount Nebo. Uh, here's kind of one of the things today you can see, and you can't really read these, but Bethlehem, Jericho, all those places. But here on the left, we don't know exactly what it looked like. But look at it on the left, and then look at the right. What's that look like? It's the same thing. Right? So look at what happened. So 800 years later, they're, they're still worshiping this thing. They're still offering incense to it. But Hezekiah destroyed it because it was a stumbling block to them. Right? They were worshiping this thing as if it had any power. Uh, and, they, they, uh, and, and you think about this. Moses created this object because the Lord told him to. Right? Now think about this. Uh, imagine what they would have done with Moses' body after he died. If they worshipped the bronze serpent, you don't think they'd worship his body? I think they would. Don't you? What do they worship today? Think of what they have all over the world. I found just a handful. On the left, that's North Korea, two leaders, big statues. This Buddha statue is 300 feet tall, 210 feet wide. And then this is somewhere in Ohio, this Mary statue. It's pretty big, too. You know, you think about that. They would have done something like this. Or today, what would they do today? 
What are they doing to the, the one of the popes? And there's several of them. They've got in the glass case. Uh, Lenin there in Russia, he's in the glass case. I don't know who the guy on the right is, but somebody else. Or they would have built something like the Taj Mahal, right? That's a burial plate. That's what that is to celebrate some of this. They would have built things like this and they'd still be worshiping it today, right? You know they would. You know they would. They find a piece of, uh, of cloth that they think was on Jesus' face and they worship that. You think a, a body of Moses? Oh my goodness. They would have definitely worshipped that. But again, we don't have, uh, the Bible doesn't tell us exactly why, but I, I think, again, a spiritual battle. I think that an actual body of Moses would have been a way bigger stumbling block than the brass serpent was. And they were worshipping it. <clears throat> so let's go back to Jude. Let's look back at the verses uh, before it and afterward. Uh, Jude 8, likewise also these filthy dreamers defile the flesh, despise dominion, and speak evil of dignities. Um, yet Michael the archangel, when contending with the devil, he disputed about the body of Moses, durst not bring against him a railing accusation, but said, The Lord rebuke thee, but these speak evil of those things which they know not, but what they know naturally as brute beasts, and those things they corrupt themselves. And we see there's a clash. Right. If we go back, if we go back in our verses in the middle, there's a clash here again with Michael, the archangel and the devil over the body of Moses. And here, you know, we think it could have been turned into an idol. Uh, we're not quite sure. Uh, but one of the things we know about Michael is when he is mentioned, he's mentioned in the book of Daniel, mentioned in Revelation 12, he is fighting. And he's the same one that's going to join Jesus Christ and fight. And he's the same one that when the Lord raptures the church, the Lord's going to shout and he's going to be part of it as well. Uh, but he, we know that he's a powerful angel. Uh, he is a Daniel calls him a guardian of the nation of Israel. And you would think all that power, all of that authority that Michael has, he would have disputed or contended or, or uh, uh, you know, argued with the devil because of his own authority. But the verse tells us uh, he did not. He durst not bring against him a railing accusation. He didn't mock the devil. He didn't accuse the devil. He didn't argue with the devil. He didn't get into a debate with the devil. He said, all he says is the Lord rebuke thee. That's it. That's all Michael said. So that, that chief archangel, he's the head, he's the archangel, the head one. If he's not going to fight against the devil with his own power, why do we try to do that? Why do we, with our spiritual battles, try to do that? You know what Jesus Christ did? We've talked about this many times. Now, he used the word of God. Right. The, that's what Jesus did uh, when he was uh, tempted of the devil. He used scripture. So why would we try to reason if Jesus did reason with the devil and Michael, the archangel didn't reason with the devil? You know what the devil wants us to do? Reason with this world because we're reasoning with him. That's what they want. If we start using logic, what makes sense? opinion and different things like that, we are going down a trap that not even Michael and Jesus would go down. Amen? Because they didn't have to. They stuck with the truth. Amen? They struck with the Lord. They struck. They stuck with his word. And here's the thing. The devil's way too smart for our reasoning. He loves logic. He loves it. He loves emotions. 
He loves people when they're driven by feelings, right? Spiritual things. I tell you what, I've seen a lot of people get messed up when they, uh, uh, when they judge their Christian life on feelings. It will, you will get in trouble because you don't always feel good. Amen? You don't always feel good when you're in the center of God's will. And sometimes when you're out of God's will, you're thinking you're happy and you're feeling good. That means it's wrong. It, it will lead you astray. But I'm here to tell you, I'm glad I'm saved tonight. And I'm glad I'm not saved because of a feeling. I'm glad I'm saved because of the word of God and what Jesus Christ did. We've got to call on Jesus instead of debating and everything else. We've got to use his word every single time. Michael overcame the devil with the Lord. That's what he did. So again, now, now we'll get to the part with the eight and nine or eight and ten. But I noticed something. The verse before, the one we looked at, verse nine, and the one after both have something in common. Look at verse eight. Likewise, these filthy dreamers defile the flesh, despise dominion, and speak evil of dignities. Do you see that last part? Speak evil of dignities. So what are they doing? They're speaking evil of anything that's been given a responsibility of the Lord. Right? Any, anyone who's been giving a, given some kind of authority by the Lord. Right? You know the angels have some authority. They do. They've been given by God. You know the church has some authority. Pastors have authority. Uh, government leaders in our government have authority. Now unfortunately some Christians think they don't have to follow any government things. But that's not biblical. That doesn't follow uh, what the word of God says. But what are they doing? Uh, verse 8 are not a something we want to strive for. This is something uh, uh, that Jude is talking about will be judged people like this and they speak evil of dignities now let's go down to verse 10 verse 10 tells us uh, but these speak evil of those things which they know not yeah. but what they know naturally is brute beasts and those things they corrupt themselves do you see what's happening speak evil is on either side it's in verse 8 it's in verse 10 they are speaking evil and here's the thing we've heard verse 10 before Speaking evil of those things which they know not. How many people have you heard run down the name of Jesus Christ, curse the name of Jesus Christ, blame Jesus Christ for things? How many of you done that? Have you heard that? Yeah. What are they doing? They're speaking evil of things that they have no clue about. That's, right. That's what that verse says right there. They have no clue about who the real Jesus is. They don't have, because if they, they're accusing Jesus, and if they knew the true Jesus, they'd realize how ridiculous that is. Because the same Jesus they're cursing and blaming for every problem in this world is the same one that died to save the world yeah, and amen. has never shown more mercy, more love than anyone ever on this earth they don't know what they're talking about amen he gave his life for sinners but they use his name as a curse word because of the things that they don't agree with and here's the thing the sad part is they don't know what they're talking about they act like they do there are people that uh that you would call a doctor because of their education and they're speaking evil of those things which they know not it doesn't matter. They don't realize. They don't know the truth. They're walking in darkness. They don't want the light. And it's sad that we run into people like that. But our job is not to argue. It's to give the truth. Amen? Do you see, Do you see that verse 8 and verse 10 are the same, but verse 9 is a contrast? 
Michael the Archangel is not doing that. That's right. Right? The filthy dreamers are. The ones that despise dominion are. And the ones that are talking about things they don't even know, they're speaking evil. But Michael wouldn't even speak evil to the devil himself. That's what it's saying right there. Mm. That's powerful. He wouldn't bring a railing accusation. He wouldn't speak evil of the devil. And I thought about that. All he did was rebuke him in the name of the Lord. That's all he did. Best thing he could do. Amen. You know what? I I think that really hit me. Because you know what? Instead of cursing about them, instead of being angry with people, instead of being frustrated and gossiping and different things, we need to pray for these people. We need to pray to the Lord and say, Lord, if you don't get to them, they're going to go straight to hell. Amen? If you don't stop them, if you don't allow some of that light to shine in their life, they're going straight to hell. If Michael the archangel wouldn't get into an argument, but give him over the Lord, then why aren't we? Because none of us are directly fighting the devil. We couldn't. We couldn't even come close. You know what I thought? There are some people that we are going against, right, that we need to hand over to the Lord the same way. Remember what we talked about, I think it was last week, Ephesians 6.12. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. So again, remember, we see the people, but we're not fighting the people. We're not fighting against flesh and blood, but it's a spiritual battle. And there are people that are speaking evil, and they're speaking evil of us because of who we represent, because we are a Christian. They don't like Jesus Christ, so they don't like us. But again... We're not to get into an argument or a debate about it. We're to merely, if we can, give them the truth. But yeah. either way, we need to pray for them and say, Lord, you've got to do something with them. Uh, give them the Holy Spirit to touch them and yeah. say, hey, you've got to wake them up. We've got to put on the whole armor of God. But sometimes we've got to close our tongue, too. I think that's what it's telling us right there. Look what's going on. You've got these ones that are going in judgment that are despising dominion and speaking evil of dignities. There's so many of them out there. Just everyone that's in charge, they hate them. They, they're doing everything wrong. They're ruining their life and everything else, all while rejecting any authority of truth. And then in verse 10, speaking evil of those things which they know not. Now see if this talks about this world today. But what they know naturally, as brute beasts, look at the last part, and those things they corrupt themselves. They don't know any spiritual truth, but whatever truth they know, they will corrupt it, right? They'll take something God has made as good, and they'll pervert it. Isn't that this world right here? This is what Jude is saying. He's saying, but guess what's coming up next? I'll give you a little preview. In a couple verses, Enoch is coming up next. Right? Amen? You think it's an accident that we're talking about Enoch this far into the Bible? No. No. We're talking about the Lord returning in judgment with Enoch, because that's when he prophesied. And what's going on just before that? Exactly what we're seeing today. Amen? I think sometimes we've got to just hand things over to the Lord. That's right. We just got to hand it over to him. And there are people we've got to hand over to the Lord too. Yeah. And say, you know what? 
you know, they're, uh, I know they hate me. I know they're mad at me. But Lord, help me to not take it personally. But remember, it's a spiritual battle and there's a soul at play. Amen? Even people that have made my life, you know, miserable for a time, I don't want them to spend an eternity in hell. Amen? I want them to come to Jesus Christ. Amen. But I, I'm not going to convince them of that. No. It's going to take the Lord. The Holy Spirit is going to take yes. the Lord. All right, so let's open up the altar tonight. Maybe you've got, maybe you have someone's name in mind you want to pray about.